Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. But Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. We are up to 286 affiliates. We want to welcome our newest affiliate, WLEA AM and FM 106.9 in Elmira, Corning, New York. You want to welcome them to the America's Healthcare Advocate family. I want to thank Brian O'Neill, the program director, for putting us on, and all the good folks over at Radio America, our syndicators. So once again, welcome to WLEA AM and FM in Elmira, Corning, New York. Happy to have them on board. America's Healthcare Advocate, you can follow us on the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at America's Healthcare Advocate. Also, all these shows are on podcast platforms, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. So if you want to tell someone about a show you hear or recommend they listen to it, uh, you can go back up on the podcast and listen to it there and tell them that's where they're housed and that's where you can find them. If you're looking for help with health insurance and it's Medicare or individual health insurance, the lovely Joyce Thompson is available and she can help you. Um, or if it's group health insurance and employer-sponsored care, Sue Dendinger is a true expert. They're both at RPSBBDI. The phone number there, 877-385-2224. Anywhere in the country, 877-385-2224. Okay, this is a really important show today. It's a show that I had a lot of help getting put together by Dr. Tracy Stevens, who is not only my doctor, but she is also uh, a frequent guest on this show. And Dr. Tracy Stevens here today and Dr. Marianne Jackson are here. And we're going to be talking about the COVID vaccines. We're going to be talking about Pfizer, Moderna. And yes, we're going to talk about Johnson & Johnson. We're also going to talk about comorbidity issues. Um, we've got two experts in the room here today. We're very fortunate to have both these very busy doctors spend time with us. We're going to talk about heart attack, stroke, diabetes, some of the other things that have contributed to the issues surrounding COVID and why people with those presenting those issues have a much bigger risk than people that don't. So a little bit about Dr. Stevens. Dr. Tracy Stevens is a board certified cardiologist with St. Luke's Cardiovascular Consultants. She is the Julie Irene Kaufman Endowed Chair for Women's Cardiovascular Health. Dr. Stevens received her MD from the University of Missouri at Kansas City. She completed her cardiology fellowship at Mayo Clinic, where she was also a National Institute Health Cardiovascular 
Cardiovascular Research Fellow, Mayo Clinic, and she also received the Mayo Clinic Outstanding Achievement Award for Cardiovascular Disease. Obviously, well qualified to have this conversation today. Dr. Marianne Jackson graduated from UMKC School of Medicine. Dr. Jackson completed pediatric residency at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital Infectious Disease Fellowship at the University of Texas Southwestern before joining uh, the faculty here at Children's Mercy in Kansas City. She has served as the dean of the UMKC Medicine School since 2018. She is a fellow with the American Academy of Pediatrics and Infectious Disease, Pediatric Infection Disease, and she served as a member of the National Vaccine Advisory Committee. Her research centers on vaccine and preventable diseases of epidemiology. Welcome to both of you. Doctor, glad to have you both here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. So, Obviously, as I said, this is a, a, a very important show for us because it's an opportunity for us to discuss what um, uh, is, is going on with the vaccines right now. So let's, Dr. Jackson, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the controversy, if you will, or, the, or, the up, or all the news media around the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the issue with um, uh, the blood clots and, and, you know, the relative health and risk of the vaccine. So let's start with that and kind of get that one off the table, Dr. Dr. Jackson? Well, one thing that everyone should know is that COVID-19 itself, the disease, is associated with a high risk for blood clots. And that risk is somewhere in the neighborhood of 39 per million. The vaccines that have come out, and there are four that globally have been used thus far, uh, have proven to be extremely safe and effective and prevent hospitalizations and death from COVID-19. When we do our initial studies and we look at significant risk factors and risk of uh, any adverse events, we look at a small number of people. But then once we give the dose, for instance, Pfizer vaccine has been given to over 200 million Americans. And I'm one of those. And I am one of those. (laughs) And it has been done very safely with a rare risk of allergy and with none of the risk of blood clots that have been seen with AstraZeneca and J&J vaccine. But let's just say that those potential vaccine-associated complications are extremely rare, and the benefit of the vaccine still greatly, greatly outweighs any risk. We're talking about, for the J&J vaccine, less than one in a million people experiencing this rare blood clot and some data from the UK that perhaps this rare blood clot could even occur with Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, even though the experience that's been reviewed at the CDC related on Pfizer vaccine and Moderna in this country has have not revealed this clot issue. So it, it, I think it's really important for people to understand what you just said and go back through that again, Dr. Stevens, what Dr. Jackson just said, one in a million, okay? Less than. That, yeah, that, that's infinitesimal. I mean, it's, it, I don't even know how they measure that. I mean, to me, that that's, so, you know, there's a lot of fear out there among certain groups of people, uh, political affiliations, uh, you know, racial minorities, et cetera, that somehow this hasn't been tested enough, that it got rushed through, that the FDA didn't do all the things it should have done. That's not true. No, absolutely. But I think it's important to talk about vaccine hesitancy. Vaccine hesitancy stems from three different areas. One is 
confidence. And that's what we need to talk about today. One is complacency. And this is the idea that you say, oh, I'm not at risk for COVID. I'm not going to get it. If I get it, I'm not going to die. And then the last is convenience, whether it's affordable, accessible, if you can get it. The confidence piece is very important. And what is very clear is that we have a path to get out of this pandemic, to get back to normal, if we maintain our plan toward vaccination of our population till we get to herd immunity that is necessary to get individuals vaccinated, hopefully 70 to 80% of our population, and that those who are complacent understand that even young people, particularly with this UK variant that's circulating now, are being hospitalized, are getting breathing tubes, and can die from COVID. It's extremely important that everybody realizes how serious this disease is. We have no path out of this pandemic unless we continue on our vaccination plan. You know, that's interesting, Dr. Stevens, because individuals ages 18 to 29 report to have the highest percentage, 25% of individuals who want to wait and see. Yet I look at pictures of spring break going on in Florida and other places, and you see these people on beaches side by side partying, crowded, yet they want to wait. And you have to ask yourself, what in God's name are they thinking about? Because you just heard Dr. Jackson say they are very much at risk for this, and they think they're immortal. They can leap tall buildings with a single bound. They're more powerful than a locomotive and all the rest of it, okay? And they're not, are they? That's correct, and, and certainly defer to Dr. Jackson on one of the things that we hear a lot in the younger population is the concern about infertility. Will it make me infertile? And But I do think it's that I'm not prone to getting this infection, and I'll be fine. I'll get over it. I'll have immunity, and I don't have to worry about the in, the in, infection. What I'm very concerned about is what we're seeing in cardiology uh, with the younger population. And, you know, and it may be in the older population with other disease states, it raises the head of their existing disease states, where it's diabetes, emphysema, and such. In the young patients where they may not have all these other comorbidities or other diseases, their immune system is so powerful that it's almost attacking their own organs in a basic sense. And from a heart standpoint, we see palpitations, heart failure, um, a, a lot of concerning things that we see even after the COVID infection on cardiac MRIs, scarring of the heart. So it's if there's a population I'm the on my level of concern, it's this young population with this false um, sense of security. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because they are at risk, as Dr. Jackson talked about. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask Dr. Jackson to talk a little bit more about that infertility issue because I hear a lot of this. A lot of you have sent me emails. I've gotten phone calls on this, etc. I want her to explain this and explain to you what the risk really is. Is there really a risk or is this just a lot of noise? We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. The doctors are in the house. We're going to be back with more, and we are going to talk about that infertility issue and some of the other comorbidity issues around COVID-19. Stay tuned. We've got more. Well, 
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Pretty important show we're doing today. If you want to tell somebody about this, maybe you've got a couple of kids who have decided they're not going to get it. Well, go up on the platform, on the podcast platform, go up on the website, tune in, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker. We're on all those platforms on our website, America's Healthcare Advocate, and they can listen to this if you want to convince somebody that the smart thing to do would be to get the vaccine. Joining me in studio today, Dr. Tracy Stevens from St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute and Dr. Marianne Jackson, Dean of the UMKC Medical School and nationally recognized expert on infectious disease. We are very fortunate to have them in studio with us today and to be able to bring this broadcast to you and talk about this. I'm trying to educate you on reality. Stop listening to all the noise out there and listen to what these two doctors are telling you today. So Dr. Jackson, let's go right back to this infertility issue because I told you a story off air there about being at lunch with an executive here at one of the largest companies in town. She was out at a dinner party with some pretty well-educated people and they were saying, well, we're not going to get it because the infertility issues. I'm like, where is this coming from? So let's talk about this. So at this point, there is no evidence, none, that either any of the vaccines that are currently being utilized within the United States, neither the Pfizer, the Moderna, or even the J&J vaccine, nor the vaccine that has been used in Europe, the AstraZeneca vaccine, have any impact on fertility. In fact, what we know about uh, women and women of childbearing age is those who are pregnant are more likely to be hospitalized, more like pregnant versus non-pregnant women, more likely to receive a breathing tube, more likely to go to ECMO, which is a special heart-lung machine, and more likely to die from COVID than non-pregnant women. And we knew that the vaccine, now we have immunized a large portion of pregnant and lactating women, and we've shown that the vaccines that we've used primarily in this country, 97% of them being Pfizer and Moderna, are safe in the pregnant and lactating woman population. So it's very important that this population feels empowered to get vaccine to protect themselves from COVID and in terms of the non-substantiated risks that are being fueled on social media, one thing that individuals should realize on social media of the anti-vaccination messages, 60% come from Russian bots are trolls. I did not know that. That's really, I did not. You're laughing over here, Dr. Stevens. I did not know that. These are not real people creating the messages. They are simply on there to create worry and fear in the American population. Well, they're succeeding. Yes, they are. And that's sad. It is sad. And it's the reason why people need to take a break from social media. If they are fearful, they need to take a break from social media and they need to go to sites that they can trust. They need to go to trusted messengers. If you don't trust the CDC, if you don't trust the pharmaceuticals, talk to your doctor, your family doctor, your pediatrician, your obstetrician, your cardiologist will be able to tell you and give you the messages that you should be able to trust about these vaccines. Dr. Stevens? I, I love Dr. Jackson's yeah, passion. I- and talk about a very credible source, you know, nationally recognized for experience in this. And and we're so fortunate to have her 
here in Kansas City. And I think that, you know, with especially when we see some of the, the, the patients in, in our group, the young patients or the parents um, uh, of these young, I'd say the athletes. And in, at St. Luke's, we have a very active athletic heart program. So right. we're very dedicated and committed to the heart of young athletes. And if, if our, our country wants to look at the American College of Cardiology guidelines for returning to sport after COVID infection, it's very important because, you know, I, I think what drives me crazy are parents of young athletes who think their child is going to be the next elite athlete <laughs> and want them not to risk missing a practice uh-huh. or a tryout. And these kids are getting back into their sport way too early. And we know that if young or any really any athlete, if they have COVID, they cannot jump right back into it and go to zero to 60 in two seconds. They have to listen to their healthcare provider, to their physician, and use these uh, guidelines as a document because it can be very detrimental to this person uh, with having COVID if they get back to their sport too soon. Okay, so this is really important. I want you to reiterate that. So that means that if, if, that if they've got a cardiologist, they should go see the cardiologist. If they don't, they should see their primary care physician. Maybe they need to get a referral before Johnny goes back out on the football field, okay, or Susie goes back out on the – you know, I was I was flying out of here last week uh, heading to Las Vegas to pick up my motorhome, and the airport was full of girls on a volleyball team. They'd been there for a tournament. And when we stayed downtown while we were having some work done on the house, the, the, the hotel was packed with kids here from a soccer tournament from Minnesota. And I'm like, holy cow, this is <laughs> – you know, so you know, reiterate that a little bit. You know, what what step should a parent take if they've had a child that has had COVID and and before they return to play to make sure they are safe? I, I think it is referring to their physician if they've had COVID and they want to jump back into their sport. The nice thing with these guidelines, it gives some credibility, some objective guidelines for the physician to discuss with the the athlete, the parent that takes the emotion out of it. And I think that's very important. So the guidelines, Dr. Jackson, are, are being published by what, CDC on this return to play or the American Heart Institute? Or- American College of Cardiology is guiding this. But I want to talk a little bit about people who aren't athletes. I want to talk about the average person who's out there who is a young adult and who believes that if I get COVID, it's going to be mild disease. One thing we've learned is something about what we've called long hauler syndrome. And what this means is people who've had COVID and then for weeks and months, they cannot get back to their normal activity. They are fatigued. They have heart palpitations. They have difficulty breathing and they have brain fog. They can't think clearly. And so what we've learned about these long haulers is that even for those with mild disease in young adults, they are at risk for long hauler syndrome, which means that if you're someone who likes to, you're not an athlete, but you're somebody who likes to exercise. Maybe you're a 10K runner. Maybe you're a 10K runner. If you get COVID and even it's mild infection, you will not be getting back to your normal running plan. You may have symptoms that persist out to 35, 36 weeks. So I want people not to feel like even if I'm young, I can get COVID and I can get back to normal very quickly because we now know that this long hauler syndrome or post-acute sequelae of COVID occurs in about a third of the people who get COVID infection. Okay, so let's say they ignore that and they go back. Then what happens? Well, what they find is they can't run. 
that they are still having shortness of breath. They may be having palpitations. Sometimes this unmasks another underlying disease and they need to be referred to someone who has expertise. Someone in the field of cardiology, for instance, would be a primary person, someone like Dr. Tracy Stevens to be referred to for evaluation to make sure that there's not an underlying problem that has been unmasked by this COVID infection, or if they are a victim of COVID who is experiencing these long symptoms, what their path will be to recovery. You know, folks, this is exactly why we're doing this show today. You're getting a lot of information here today, a lot of information you probably haven't heard anywhere else. Take Dr. Jackson's advice. Don't listen to social media. Go to credible sources and get good information to protect you and protect your family. We come back from the break. We're going to continue this broadcast. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website. Also, I remind you, the shows are all up on the podcast platforms if you want to tell somebody about it, especially this show with two experts sitting here in this studio with me today, dispelling a lot of the nonsense that you're seeing out there and telling you what reality is. My producer, the always perfect Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Joining me in studio, Dr. Tracy Stevens, St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute, and Dr. Marianne Jackson, Dean of the UMKC Medical School and a nationally recognized expert in infectious disease. Once again, folks, I'm doing this to educate you so we can take a lot of the mythology that's running around out there, as you heard Dr. Jackson talk about on social media, and replace that with reality. So, Dr. Jackson, let's go back to this comment you made about um, a lot of this misinformation that's out there and that that this is being shoved into um, the social media platforms by Russian bots. Yes, we've clearly seen through study Looking at tweets, for instance, and other information on social media that Russian bots and trolls, meaning not a real person, are driving anti-vaccine messages. And one tweet, for instance, that would cast doubt on vaccines was this. Did you know there was a secret government database of vaccine-damaged children? There obviously is not, right? And yet when somebody sees that on social media, they'll believe that's real and it will influence their decision to move forward on getting their vaccine uh, for their child. And what's important about that is that vaccines, as I said at the very beginning, were the most important development in the last century to improve the health and welfare of people around the world. We know they work. We know they're safe. We know the safety and the rigor of the studies that have been done before those vaccines make it to market have been consistent throughout the years. And we know the vaccine safety plan within the United States enables us to identify very, very rare side effects and put that into perspective for the American population. But don't believe some of these concocted things that you'll see on social media, include for, including, for instance, that Bill Gates has injected a vaccine with a microchip that will track you. That is absolutely untrue. <laughs> That, you're laughing. I'm laughing, Doctor. I swear, I've never. Now that one is. I. That's one I have not heard. That's that. That's quite remarkable, frankly. I think that what we need to do is 
ensure that everyone turns off their social media when they see things like this, that they're going to their trusted provider, that they're getting the information that they need and they're making the right decision. Because when it comes to vaccines, what I say to people when they say to me, I'm going to have uh, no issues with the COVID, I say to them, do you have a grandmother? Do you have a great-grandmother? Do you have a family member with cancer? Do you have a family member with multiple sclerosis? Do you have a family member with heart disease, with lung disease, with diabetes, with kidney disease? All comorbidity issues. All comorbidity issues for COVID-19. The way we protect the other people within our population is to get to herd immunity, which means that we all have to be a part of this vaccination plan. And it's a plan that works. So, Dr. Stevens, we did a show probably about a year, year and a half ago, where we were we were feeling pretty good about things as far as heart attack and stroke. And by the way, people, the number one killer of people in this country is not cancer. It's heart attack and stroke. And it's more prominent in women than it is men. So let's go back and revisit that because things have changed and they've not changed for the better. Doctor? You're exactly right. We have headed in the wrong direction. You know, if we look back in early 2000, we launched with the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, the Heart Truth Campaign, raising awareness that more women than men die every year of heart attack and stroke when our billboards were saying, learn CPR, save your husband's life. This awareness campaign got people on board, got women on board, which got the men on board, and we saw the death from heart attack and stroke significantly fall to where we thought by 2021, heart attack and stroke would move behind cancer as the leading cause of death in our country. About 2014, that successful fall in death from heart attack and stroke halted, and now it's skyrocketing. And we are doing a great job at treating heart disease, but we stink. For lack of a better word, we stink at preventing it because it requires discipline. And because people don't want to do that. Right. And so with that, if we look at the six basic things that reduce heart attack and stroke by 95%, if you just pick two, 92%, none of them require a doctor's visit or a prescription. They require one thing which our country does not have. It's discipline. And what it is, it's eat healthy, stay active, maintain ideal body weight, don't smoke, limit alcohol, and avoid prolonged sitting. If we look at the past year with the pandemic, alcohol use was up, liquor sales were up, not down, even yes. though the restaurants were closed. Okay. People weren't exercising. Okay. Because they were cooped up in their houses in a lot of cases, some places where they actually couldn't exercise. But you go through that list and how COVID affected all of that. That's correct. And with that, our blood pressure goes up, our cholesterol goes up, our blood sugar goes up, smoking, stress. Although we can't measure stress, it has a huge impact on our health. And so we have further fallen behind the eight ball on successfully addressing our number one health threat. The best way to treat heart disease, our number one health threat in our country is to prevent it. Yeah. And that means get off your rear end, get off the couch, put down the six pack and the potato chips. Okay. And start taking, you and I've talked about this multiple times, take responsibility for yourself. And if you do that, then you have a great chance of reducing death from heart attack and stroke. That's, that's correct. And whereas people were fearful of going to the grocery store, going to get their blood pressure medicines, there are avenues still for that. What we are growing fatigue, or I'm growing fatigue of, is still blaming everything on COVID. You know, we were, if we, to Dr. Jackson's absolute significant message, if we get vaccinated, 
then that's that is the key. But this COVID kind of a everyone's talking about the COVID fatigue. I think we're getting a little complacent blaming things on COVID. We can get out to the grocery store. We can successfully get there with these very careful strategies, pick up the medications, exercise. So blaming things on COVID for our lack of discipline for our number one health threat prevention strategies is just unacceptable. Yeah, it is. And people have become complacent. Would you agree with that, doctor? Well, I think that part of this stems from fear. And so one thing that we should dispel uh, with this conversation is dispel the fact that we can't access our healthcare institutions and have our preventative screenings, our colonoscopies, our mammograms, getting back to our heart doctors, making sure we have our medicines. But we need to confront the real consequences of the human toll of the pandemic too. And that is people have lost their jobs. Their bank accounts have been depleted. Children in our country are behind in their education. Six years. It's it's very important for children uh, in general. They are behind by five to eight months if they're white kids. If they are black Hispanic children, they are behind eight to 12 months in their education as a result of the pandemic. So in confronting the real toll, we have to move forward. We have to get to herd immunity. We have to be protected. And we have to encourage people to not only take charge of their health, to but to make sure they do exactly what Dr. Stevens is talking about and participating in their preventative health care. So Dr. Stevens, before we go to break, we got a couple minutes here. Now, and even in the middle of the pandemic, Lauren and I both had conferences with you and with our other providers, and it was all done with teledoc and telemedicine and the video conferencing that, that St. Luke's puts together. Now, when, when, I, when I had Dr. Sweat in here from Blue Cross and Blue Shield's chief medical officer, when I was a broker, we used to beg people, especially in rural communities, to use telemedicine. And if we got a 7 to 10% participation rate, we thought we were doing pretty good. That number jumped 93% during COVID. So there is no excuse now not to have a meeting with your doctor. Um, you know, my wife's going through some issues, which you're aware of, heart disease, some other things. And we most of our meetings have been over the video conferencing. So talk a little bit about that and how that's working now. I think that we're finding definitely some silver linings to what we've experienced with the pandemic. And one is bringing forward the opportunity for the telemedicine. And I think there's great opportunity. I don't see that going away. I think there's a role for it. You know, initially, we it was kind of a mandate, anything elective procedure-wise and such, we were all on hold. And while now patients are coming back into the office, you know, with very careful strategies, still mask and all those guidelines, uh, and, and I think that there's absolutely important reasons to still be seen in the office for the exams, but many of these now can be telemedicine. Yeah, it's so convenient. I mean, instead of having to drive to the office, park, sit in the waiting room, and all of that, boom, there you are on the video conference, face-to-face with your doctor, with with as much time as you need to go through whatever it is you're talking about. And the results are excellent. It's been very good for us, you know, whether it's getting a medication or changing a regimen or whatever the case may be. And I think people need to know they should be taking advantage of that. I think absolutely that there is a, a, a very important role for that. And, and we'll talk more about that when we come back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. The doctors are in the house. When 
we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how you should be utilizing that telemedicine and video conferencing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIE Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Pretty important show. You might want to share this with some friends. You may want to share it with some family members. All the podcasts, TuneIn, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spreaker, it's up there. It's also on that website. My producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Continuing this conversation in studio with me, Dr. Tracy Stevens, St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute. Institute, and Dr. Mary Ann Jackson, Dean of the UMKC Medical School and a nationally recognized expert in infectious disease. Dr. Jackson, you said something off the air that I want people to really hear the next two to four weeks. Why is that important? It's critically important because we are now providing upwards of four and four and a half million vaccines per day. With this path, by the end of May, into June, we may be reaching herd immunity. And it's so important because people are tired of this pandemic. Pandemic fatigue is real. This is not feeling tired. Do I have to wear a mask? Do I have to socially distance? I miss my family and friends. My mom is 90 years old. She lives in St. Louis. She lives independently. She is a retired nurse. She's very active. She misses her social network. And she commented before she got vaccine, I would rather die of COVID than die of loneliness. There are people around this country who are all feeling the same. You mentioned to me during the break, you have a grandchild you have never met. Right. Now that we're vaccinated, we are moving forward. And we must stay ahead of these variants that are circulating. We must get enough people vaccinated that we can stop the transmission of the virus. So viruses are pretty crafty, but they all do the same thing. They transmit person to person if you're not protected. If you are protected, they stop transmitting and they stop mutating. So it's very important to get ahead of the variants and to get ahead with vaccination. Okay, so I want to go back to that a minute. So if you're vaccinated, they stop transmitting and they stop mutating. So the more people that are vaccinated, the less mutations we're going to have and variants we're going to have. Yes? Yes, and the less transmission of this virus. So if we can get to the point of herd immunity, imagine the entire population has been was not immune, were susceptible to infection at the very beginning. And the slow path was natural infection. It would be years and years and years if we just let everybody get infected and many, many, many hundreds of thousands of deaths to get there. But here we have vaccine. Vaccine is our path. It's been our path out of polio. It's been our path out of measles. It's been our path out of 16 different diseases for which we vaccinate children. It is the same path we're taking to vaccinate the American and the global population to stop the transmission of this virus person. person. And once it stops transmitting, it stops mutating also. And that's remarkable because if you use polio, Dr. Stevens, as as an example, look at the success with polio and look where we are today. You don't hear about children getting polio anymore. It's almost gone completely. Measles, the same thing. So this 
can work, but people have to be willing to do what they need to do. Yes. That's absolutely true. And just, I can listen to Dr. Jackson talk all day. She's just a wealth, respectable wealth of knowledge. And I think one of my colleagues, he's interesting when patients are very anti-COVID vaccine in his clinic. And he said, and, and when did you last have polio? And when, and, and how'd you do with measles? And so they're like, they're, they, he kind of catches them in that reality. thought process. It's, it's reality. It's not reading Twitter, okay, and believing all of this noise and nonsense that's out there. It, it, and that's a great example. Okay, we've been doing polio vaccines for, you know, 50 years, 60 years, whatever it is. Okay, Dr. Jonas Salk, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the same thing with measles, all these other diseases. So obviously, you know, there's there's a path forward. We're running out of time here real quick, but I do want you to cover one thing. A lot of the mental health issues associated with COVID. So let's talk a little bit about that, either one of you. So we have a mental health crisis in this country. People are anxious. They are depressed. The suicide rates are up child abuse rates are up. And many people are not sure where they can turn. And we talked a little bit about telemedicine. There are health professionals out there who can help you. And telemedicine has proven to be very effective in treating individuals who are suffering from these mental health disorders or who have been afraid to get their medications refilled or who have been afraid to seek care during the COVID pandemic. And so what we'd like to do is encourage those individuals who are suffering and who don't know where to turn, turn to your doctor. Yeah. And Dr. Stevens, there are behavioral health, Blue Cross and Blue Shield with their program has behavioral health people that you can video conference with. And I know there are other plans around the country to do the same thing. So if you're having that issue and you want to have a confidential conference, there's no reason you can't do that. Yes, that's correct. And, and if you think of chronic disease in our country, so much of it is nutrition-based, physical activity-based, and so much of that then is the motivation of each of us to be to take ownership of our health. And think how good we feel. Do we ever regret exercising? We regret we didn't exercise. I, I, I regret it when I go. Then after I'm over with, yeah. I, always, I always come and go, well, I'm really glad we did that. Or, or Lori will say, yeah, I'm really glad we did that. Right. And, and just we've been beaten down more so than ever this past year. The behavioral health, I think, and emphasize Dr. Jackson's points in that it is a key thing that we cannot neglect in our country. And with the telemedicine, telehealth, it's there. It's an easy way to access that very, very important piece of our health that we can't neglect. And yeah. I will tell you that this even affects children. And children are wise, right? I'm a pediatrician. Um, first, I'm a pediatric ID doctor. Second, uh, I'm a, a vaccinologist. But I want to share with you the remark of my five-year-old uh, grandson. Uh, Marcus said to me, uh, spontaneously. Once this virus is gone, we can stop wearing our masks and I can go back to the playground. That's what we want to do. Yeah. That's a five-year-old. He understands that he wears his mask perfectly. He knows why he's wearing the mask. My eight-year-old granddaughter in New York, I haven't seen her for over a year. And she says, I can't wait to get COVID vaccine. And when I told her that I was getting mine, she did a cheer. She's so happy. Uh, the children of our country depend on us. I think that's a really good message to wrap it up on, doctor. If a five-year-old can get it, 
That means, people, you can get it, okay? You know, I've been doing this broadcast for 16 years, and I do these kinds of shows for a reason, uh, to get information out to you so that you get the unfiltered, unbiased, true story about what's going on in this country. This herd immunity is extremely important. As you heard Dr. Jackson say, the next two to four weeks are extremely important. I urge you to go forward and get the vaccine and do what you need to do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who locks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. Goodbye, America.